Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast, where we like to talk about how to make marriage into a passionate adventure and not just a to-do list. And right now, we are feeling like it's a big to-do list because I am here with my daughter, Rebecca. Yep. And we're a little post-due date. I am sitting on an exercise ball. Yes. Trying to bounce this baby out while right. we record this. Right. So we were actually thinking about not doing a podcast today. I know I promised the podcast on all erections all the time where I was going to deal with all my reader questions about erections, but we're actually, my, my husband and I are going to record that, I think, in November now. Yeah. Um, and we were planning this Thursday instead just to make it lower stress, just to do pictures of baby. <laughs> but at this point, <laughs> even baby comes, I don't want to put pictures of baby up until I've had a chance to shower. Right. I'm going to be honest. And we're, the clock is ticking. So we thought... We we would just have a bit of a conversation about something that we're quite passionate about mm-hmm. and that has, was a great discussion on the blog recently. Yes. Which was, we were talking about, have we made life too hard? Have we made motherhood too hard? And a lot of awesome comments. I will leave the link to that post in, um, in the description for this podcast. But what we really want to talk about is how you can feel like you have your life together. And it's really hard to feel like you have your life together when you're asking so much of yourself because motherhood really has changed. Yeah, and just relationships in general and lifestyles in general, I think, too. Yeah, like we ask ask things of people that no one had to do. Like well, you didn't have ago. to have a, a, a social presence and you didn't have to have kind of like a brand in a sense and this yeah. weird way that everyone having Instagram, Twitter and Facebook kind of makes you, mm-hmm. forces you into this weird trap of having to feel like you're always on your A game and you always have your face on and you always, it's, yeah. it's very strange. That you have your life together when you're 24 and, or 28 or 34 or whatever. And to tell you the truth, I have my life way more together now in my late 40s than I ever did in my mid-20s because I've had more practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're expecting is that people will look like they have their life completely together from a very young age, and it's just not realistic. I remember when I um, was married, I bought this cookbook, uh, which told women how to get together in the kitchen and how to figure out everything in the kitchen. And basically, all it was was learn how to make five meals plus a roast plus a company dinner. And that's all you had to do. <laughs> and that was that was the entire expectation. Mm-hmm. So th- this 1950s housewife that we that we idolized idolized, in a weird way. Yeah. It's she probably only knew how to make like she only had to know how to make seven things. Yeah. And every Sunday you had a roast, you know, and every Monday you would have meatloaf or whatever it was, but she had these seven meals. And somebody pointed out in the comment, it was an awesome comment on that post. She is someone who lives in Asia. And she says, you know the people that we think cook Chinese food the most and the best? Well, they're in China and they only know how to make seven things. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas we think we have to be able to cook Chinese and Indian. And Italian. And Italian. And French. Yeah, we have to need to know how to make like a lo mein and a pizza from scratch. And all, all a huge these... Mediterranean salad, right? Kind and of they're thing. all different, and and so it's much harder to be an expert today. So, so that's what I'm talking about. Is this is is how can we actually do what is necessary and get good at only what is necessary, not all of these other things? And so, as we were talking about that, there was one thing that kept occurring to us. And why don't you tell the story of your living room because it's a good story? Uh huh. My living room. So pretty much as we're getting ready for baby. My sister came down to do the whole slow cooker day that we posted about on yes. Monday. Yes. A lot of people were really interested in that. We just did one day where we made, 
I think it was like 65 meals. Slow I think it was it even more than that. It was ridiculously We never actually meals. counted, but it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we froze them so that, you know, mom could take some home. My sister took a few home. And then Connor and I keeping the majority of them to be post-baby mm-hmm. um, meals. So she came down to do that. And then as she was down, there was just a bunch of time where there was nothing to do. And so she just decided to reorganize, decorate, and clean my living room because mm-hmm. she's great. Yes. Yes. And I will tell you <laughs> the difference <laughs> that, like, she did in two hours. We have been living in this place for, like, over a year. Uh-huh. And it actually looks like a living room now. Like, we had pictures that just weren't on the wall. Right. For over a year. Yeah. And just the fact that she moved furniture, like, eight inches, and now it actually looks like the furniture's there on purpose. <laughs> and the fact that she decorated. And we came back. And she didn't buy anything. She just no. took what you had and she put it in different places. Yes. And, you know, she dusted things that I likely have not dusted in far too long. Mm-hmm. And things like that. And it was just so different. And Connor and I got back from my midwife appointment when she was doing all this and we were just blown away. And we were like, whoa. And that night, Connor and I are sitting in our living room and we just kind of sat there silently and for a while. And then Connor says, it's like magic. I think it's called decorating. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just a totally different spot. And so then we were, we had this, this, the last little bit of it is we had this area rug that we had sent out for professional cleaning before the baby gets here. And Katie told us when the area rug comes back, it's supposed to go in the middle of the living room underneath of our little chest that holds all of our blankets. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, we're going to put it in our bedroom because blah, blah, blah. And then Connor and I get the rug back. We're like, wait a second. We're no longer allowed to make these decisions (laughs) because we lived in a living room without anything actually decorated for over a year. My sister came in in two hours and made it look super, super nice. We're going to do what my sister says to do. (laughs) Right. And, and that is the point, I think. And this is what we want to hammer home. So we're going to talk to two groups of people in this podcast. We're going to talk to the Rebecca's first, and then we're going to talk to the Katie's. I'm so glad that I'm the, yes. the one who but needs then, help. But, but as we're pointing out, sometimes it's reversed. It is, yes. And, and this, this is the point. Okay, people, you do not have to be excellent at everything. Nobody is excellent at everything. Exactly. And so what we want to tell you is how to ask for help. But then we want to talk to the other people about how to be people that help well, okay? Because I think the secret to getting your life together is admitting when you don't know how to do something and then figuring out how to get help. Yeah, figuring out who in your life is good at it. Like, I'm just not good at housekeeping stuff. I'm really not. It's a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, hi, I'm Rebecca, the resident messy person on the blog, right? (laughs) But Katie's really good at it. Mm -hmm. And it literally took her two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if you're, and I'm not particularly good at housework either. And I remember, um, my good friend, Lisa, shout out to Lisa, who might, who sometimes listens to these. I remember her coming over to my house and helping me cook once. And I just watched what she did in the kitchen, like to clean up. And I'm like, wow, I never knew that you could do that quickly. And in that order, and I just changed the way I clean up after I cook. Yeah. Cause there are sometimes there are things that people are just either naturally good at because, like, my sister, I don't care who she grew up in, what family she grew up in, where she grew up, she would always have a house that looked nice. Yeah. That's just who she is. Mm-hmm. Right? But there are other people who just have the training that you never got. Yeah. You know, because they were raised in a family where, you know, 
they did these kinds of things, like they cleaned up in this very specific way because it worked really well, or they had a house that was, you know, really nicely put together, or they always are super active and eat super healthy all the time, so it's second nature to them, mm-hmm. right? And so if you have those people in your life, utilize them. That's right, and and don't be afraid to ask. So why is it that we don't ask for help? Because there's all kinds of areas that people might need help in. You know, maybe you just need someone to help you figure out how to decorate or to help you get your house cleaning routines going or Mm -hmm. help you learn how to clean a kitchen properly. Maybe you need help with budgeting. You know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe it's kid stuff like kids who won't sleep, you know, or kids who won't eat (laughs) um, properly. Um, Maybe it's that you don't know what looks good on you and you just need help with some fashion tips, whatever it might be. Chances are you have a friend who's good at it, but why don't we ask? Yeah, and I think that we don't ask because we have this idea that if we aren't as good as someone, it's because there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Not that there's something that they just can do that we can't. Yeah. And that, that seems like it's this big identity issue. Whereas, whereas it's just facts of the matter. Some people are going to be good at stuff that you're not good at, and that's okay. Yeah, because we all have different giftings. That's, that's actually what the Bible says, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the whole point of living in community and maybe that's the bigger picture for what I want this podcast to be about is like this is what community should look like because the point of being in community is as the bible says you know we all have different giftings some of you us are hands some of us are feet some of us are eyes or ears or legs or whatever it might be we're not all the same and some people are going to have different giftings than you they're going to naturally be better at something some people are just going to have different training than you They grew up in a family where they did this stuff and it became second nature. Some people are going to have different interests. So they've already invested a ton of time in learning how to be good at something. Mm -hmm. And so why not use their expertise? Exactly. (laughs) You know, so, so why is it though that we don't always ask? What I find is, is often we rationalize why we're not as good as someone else and if we see someone who's really good at something we give all the reasons why that would never work for us mm-hmm. yeah like for me for the longest time because we really haven't gotten into a house cleaning routine until the last six months connor and i we really haven't we've been the kind of people where it's like okay we're getting to the point that someone could do a reality tv show on us and so we need to clean <laughs> that was kind of our metric for a while right and so but for for me a big thing was that you rationalize it by saying yeah but you know i'm just not that person or i just don't have the time or oh well, my apartment's just too small or well my kitchen just isn't the right kind of size to be able to keep it clean all the time it's just always going to look messy or you kind of think of all these excuses whereas the answer is no i just needed to clean the kitchen <laughs> yeah. that was the answer the answer was pick up a rag and wipe down the counters. That was yeah. the answer was do the dishes. Yeah. Right? But it's really easy to think of all these different excuses like, oh well, I've been working or I have this on my plate or I have this is like, well, yes, you do, but also you don't need to be Martha Stewart. You can also just clean the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. And and just because someone is better at something doesn't mean like I I find it with parenting a lot. Like if you know someone whose kids are super well behaved, you know, you think, oh well it's just that they have easy kids. I talk about this with marriage, too. If you see a marriage that's, that's amazing, you think, oh, well, if I had just married that guy, I'd have an amazing marriage, too. And what you don't realize is, yeah, but, you know, they probably worked really hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin's kids eat amazing. Yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh, they do. Oh, yes. Like, and, and she's amazing at so much. But for her, a lot of it was just plain necessity. <laughs> you know, they, were, they were busy and... 
Um, they're very health conscious. And so she read everything she could read before she had kids on how to get kids to eat the French way. And the French way, for those of you who don't know, there's there, there's quite a lot of books about this now, is like French kids eat everything. They do. They don't do this whole baby food thing and then grilled cheese sandwiches you know, <laughs> that we do in North America. Like French kids will eat. If you're having a pate, your kid's having a pate. Yeah. And, and so she looked into this a lot. She read a lot about it and her kids eat amazing. But they also set up these big routines around eating and... Um, they did certain things at the dinner table that made that more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that, oh, her she had easy kids. It's that they she did her research. She has a really good system. <laughs> and she got a really good system. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so what I would say is, oh, my gosh, she's already done all the work. So, like, why not just ask her? Yeah, can I just mooch off of the work that you've done? Which yeah. I'm completely <laughs> planning on doing if Danielle's listening to this. Yes. <laughs> so, hey, Danielle. Yeah. You know? Like, if you have a friend who has put all kinds of work into learning, like, something that you really need in your life, mooch off them. Like, yeah. in a good way. Well, especially <laughs> since if they put all the work into learning about it, they're probably pretty passionate about it. And when you're passionate about something, you actually enjoy sharing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, that, and, and I remember... Um, I know so many friends that if they just said to me, Sheila, could you help me buy a better wardrobe? I would be like, yes, please. Like I would be there in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because I actually do like buying clothes that fit and flatter. I don't like buying a lot of clothes. I'm much more inclined toward the capsule wardrobe idea, but I very much like clothes that fit and flatter. Well, and that's because you've had to do a lot of research for that because you were a speaker for so long. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that you also figured out for yourself and it was really fun. And so when I've had friends who've come to me saying, hey, do you want to go clothes shopping with me? I'm like, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I want to help you because I'm passionate about it. And because they're my friend, I want them to be good in this area too. So I want to help them out. Uh, and so if you have a friend whose kids sleep really well, probably they would like to show you what they did. They may not even mind coming over for a night and like sleep coaching with you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if you ask them, it just takes some humility on our part. I think that's why we don't do it. Yeah, that's the big keyword here is humility. Mm-hmm. Because when we rationalize away why we can't do things or when we try to have excuses or when we just um, kind of brush off someone else's success as something that they were they lucked into, not mm-hmm. something that they worked for, mm-hmm. that's really just trying to protect our pride. Yeah. All of it really is. And sometimes there honestly are things where we just got dealt a much more difficult hand. You know? Like if you have kids with special needs, sleep training is simply going to be a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. Like there's just some things that are just, you know, you got a a tougher hand. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, that doesn't mean that everyone else just got lucky. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that we need to be humble enough to actually accept the help that we need and the help that others are able to give. Yeah, because there's a lot of help. If you're in a healthy community, whether it's a church community or family or friend group or whatever, there's often a lot of help there. Like it- When you're in a healthy community, there's opportunities to help others, but there's also opportunities to be helped, right? Like mm-hmm. when we did a student conference, one of my friends asked me to run a budgeting seminar for students because that's something I am really quite decent at, mm-hmm. you know? And there are other people who were running things on, you know, study tips and Stuff like that. So even for college students, we were doing a lot of this helpful um, workshops, and that mm-hmm. was great. And even with personal friendships as well. Like, you know, there are people in our church who, when I ha- when I started getting pregnant and having the kids and everything, they were helping us along with a lot of tips for this or for, 
you know, even just things like hand-me-downs and stuff like that. That is kind of what community does, is they Mm -hmm. just offer a helping hand, but we need to be willing to accept it. Yeah, because that's the thing. While I have a ton of people that I get excited if they ask me to give them a makeover, I would never go to someone and say, hey, can I take you clothes shopping? Because you look awful. Right? Like, you can't well, do that. <laughs> well, the thing, too, is that you're not often thinking of it in the bad sense. Like, when some, when, when my sister comes over to my house and sees that it looks just meh, yeah. she doesn't look at my house and think, ugh, what a loser. She doesn't know how to decorate at all. What she thinks is, man, like, this could look awesome. Yeah. It's not like you're looking at it as a negative. You're looking right. at it in the potential positive. Right. Right? And so that's why you can't go up to someone and say, hey, can I help you have give you a makeover? Because they're going to take it as, oh, you think that I look terrible. But really yeah. what you're saying is, I think I could help you be really confident in how you look. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different thing. But you need to be asked in order to be able to offer that. Because it's right. really inappropriate to just yeah. go up to someone and be like, hey, can I help you with your budget? Or, hey, can I help you with, like, you know, your your kid? Like, that would yeah. that would not be a great one, just to go up to and be like, hey, I noticed you're having problems with your kid. Can I help you out? Like, yeah. these kinds of things, you have to be willing to ask for help if you actually want it to get better. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, asking someone, if you've always wanted to know how to make bread, and mm-hmm. someone makes bread in your church, you know, ask them. They'd probably love to share it. Um, or if you have a dog, and you just cannot get that dog to pee, to stop peeing on the bed, right? Like, yeah. ask someone. <laughs> Who has a lot of dogs or something like that. Yeah, um, but but I just mean we need to be willing to ask and we need to stop saying that, well, the reason they do that so well is because of all these reasons and you could never be that. Exactly. Like, just be humble enough to say, yeah, you know what? I'm really not very good at this, but they are really good at this. And so I want to learn from them. And that's, that is humility, but it's also how we can all grow. Yeah, and it's also quite better. empowering. Yeah. Because if you're able to say, hey, maybe the issue that I always feel like this part of my life is, not a con- is out of control isn't one that's fundamentally wrong with me. Mm-hmm. It's just that I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't have certain skills yet. Yeah, or I just don't have certain skills and I'll always need a little bit of help with this, right? Like, I'm sorry, I'm never going to be as good at fashion or makeup as my little sister, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just not. And that's okay, but I can also just send her pictures of dresses and be like, should I get this one or that one? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and she's usually got pretty good advice. Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay. So now a couple of tips when you are asking for help, because I think we all really do need to do this a lot more, is ask people for help. But if you're in a community, a church community especially, where if you were to ask for help, you would suddenly be labeled as subpar. Yeah. That's probably not a healthy community. Exactly. Asking for help should not mean that you have to give up dignity. Mm-hmm. And if it does, then it's likely a very strange and toxic environment. Right. And so if you if you go to someone and say, you know what, I'm just really having a hard time with my laundry routine and keeping my living room clean. Can I just shadow you for a day and see what you do? <laughs> you know? Like, that should be seen as, as wow, that is so cool that she is humble enough to ask for help and look at her trying to get take a take a take control back right as opposed to oh she's a really bad wife or she's Uh a really bad housekeeper let me tell everybody about how awful she is that's not a healthy community no and I think a good a good test for that is if when you ask for help someone who you didn't talk to about that Mm -hmm. starts trying to follow up and do accountability with you on that 
That's inappropriate. Yeah, or if they frame it as a sin issue. Exactly. It's inappropriate. Like that whole accountability thing. Like just because you need help getting your kids sleeping or getting your kids eating better does not mean you're a bad mom yeah. who needs to be disciplined by the church. Yes. And so let's let's so those are some signs of an unhealthy community. Okay, now I want to turn and talk to the other half of the equation. Yes. <laughs> How can we be people that help? Mm-hmm. How can we be people that someone will come to us and say, hey, can you help me? Because like Becca said, she's really good at budgeting. She's really bad at house <laughs> at, at homemaking. I really you know? am. Yeah. And most of us are like that. Like there's some things we're really good at and there's some things that we're not so good at. And we should be in a community where we can both ask for help and give help. Exactly. But a lot of us are never, ever, ever going to be asked for help. Because you're just not approachable about it. Yeah, because you got to be approachable if people are going to ask you. And I think that this is one of those places where the whole hashtag Instagram Christian girl kind of niche has taken away our accessibility to each other because everything is, if you're good at something, you post about it a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, right? Like if you are a really good housekeeper or if your kids, or you're posting all the time about how wonderful your kids are, there are ways to do it that are approachable. And there are ways to do it that are just kind of making other people feel a bit alienated. And so I do think if you are someone who who is really good at something, it doesn't mean that you should hide it or do the whole false humility Facebook post about it where it's like, you know, I have rough days too. I'm sorry, okay? Those posts always seem a little bit disingenuous. I'm going to be completely honest here. It's like if 95% of your posts are, look how wonderful me and my life are, and then every once in a while you're like, look, I spilled a tablespoon of flour on the floor. I'm so relatable. Like, yeah, let's be honest. But I think that there are ways where we can, we can be open and honest about ourselves online, but... I think asking ourselves, why am I posting this? Mm-hmm. Is this because I think this is something that honestly is edifying and can be shared and it's something that people should be able to rejoice with? Like the first day of school photos are so cute and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But also asking, in my heart of hearts, am I actually sharing this because I want people to think that I have it all together? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that that's an honest conversation we need to have with ourselves because what a lot of us feel like we are only really good at a couple of things and we want to share those things that we're really good at. But the way that we do that can actually make us alienated from other members of our community by inadvertently telling them, I think that you're not good enough. Yeah. But I think the other thing too is that it's really a lot easier to be approachable if you actually just approach people. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're at church and you just actually talk to the people in your church and it's not just kind of small talk but you just go out for lunch together sometimes or you just Mm -hmm. have people over after church just to hang out not to do a whole theme birthday party thing necessarily (laughs) but just to just chill and hey we're making tacos do you want to just come over for an hour yeah and yeah it it makes you a lot more human Mm -hmm. and if you actually want to be able to help people and be in a real community you got to really invest into the community as well yeah yeah, we just we need a lot more authenticity and we need a lot more relationship in general where people are just doing life together. More. Yeah. Um there's some really toxic things that can happen in churches where small groups become far too much about everyone has to confess their sins for the week and Yeah. There's been a lot of stuff on the internet about uh, some dysfunctional small groups which actually function more like cults in some of the bigger mega churches lately. Um, so I'm not talking about that, no. but we're in a, like, you're in a church that I really enjoy too. When I come here and I come here quite often, but that has really good community where people, 
honestly do talk to others who aren't necessarily in their walks of life, the same Mm -hmm. walk of life. Yeah, and that's the thing. Community and actual friendship is kind of the antidote to a lot of not only the loneliness, but also the false intimacy that happens in a lot of these places. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you actually get to know people on a real level, then it becomes clear not only who you can help, but also who can help you. Yeah. You know, like in our church, there have been people who have helped me and Connor with things, mm-hmm. you know, and we also have, have have helped others. But those conversations didn't start because, you know, we posted something on Instagram about how great our budget was. Those mm-hmm. conversations started because we were just hanging out and chatting about life. Right. You know, and it's because we were all, you know, on the same worship team or we were all, you know, working on the same volunteer project. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of places where you actually make real friendships and you make real community and then that's when you just kind of find yourselves all hanging out together at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we do need that community we really do and I think that's what good community should look like is that as we are in Christian community we're able to help others and we're able to uh, be helped ourselves too and that's only going to happen when there's real humility on both sides mm-hmm. Um, so we just need to get away from the social media comparison game. comparison game. Yeah, where where it's all about one-upping each other or keeping up with the Joneses or whatever you want to say, the Christian, hashtag Christian Instagram girl. I, I don't know, but uh, we just need to get more real. Yeah. And and so that's just a, that's just a plea. I, I think there's a lot of big superficiality in churches. and Well, I think that's because it's just a human issue. You know, who's in churches are humans. Yeah. <laughs> but I think church can make it worse in some ways like it um if a church is not done well it can be one of the most inauthentic places Mm. so if you're not able to share and i see that even online like you know you'll be on pinterest and there'll be six things to do if your husband watches porn and it'll be pray in the morning and pray in the evening and pray like you think that people don't know how to pray like yeah let's just get real people like let's get real (laughs) and I think the more we're able to get real and just talk about the real stuff I'm not talking about bearing your soul to everyone I'm not talking about um being falsely inauthentic or falsely authentic that's the I guess if that's the word like where you're where you're oversharing to show how authentic you are that's not what I mean I just mean do life with people take an interest in people not just people who look like they have it all together either because sometimes we take an interest in people at church who look like they can get us more status yeah and we kind of underestimate Mm -hmm. how much how much of a blessing the people who maybe don't have the perfect Instagram feed right. can really be in our lives. Right. Uh, and so look around and ask and say, you know, this one area of my life, I really don't have very together, but someone else has done a lot of work in that. Mm-hmm. Let me use that work, you know, <laughs> because they probably love to, to tell you all about it because yeah. they're passionate about it. And then make sure that you are helping others too. And I think we're going to go now. Hopefully we're going to go into labor soon. Well, hopefully I'm going to go into labor soon. <laughs> Not sure this is really a joint effort at this point. <laughs> but just something to think about as we ta- as we as we continue to work towards authentic community, which I believe is what Jesus really wants for us. So thank you for joining us for this To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast as we are at an important time in our lives. <laughs> and hopefully we will be back next week with more news. But as always, you can find more on the blog at tolovehonorandvacuum.com. Um, do join us for our series this month too where we're talking about the different stages of sex. This, this week we did 
um, the glory years of sex, which is really fun when things are doing well. So go check that out. And next week we'll be getting into menopause and into some stressful times. So more, more things coming up this month as well. Um, so join us on the blog, please. If you enjoy this podcast, remember to rate it five star and subscribe and leave a review because that really helps more people learn about it. So you all have a great week and we're just going to go back to bouncing on this ball. Yeah. <laughs>